I won't get as far as the night of 1 Corinthians as I would like, uh, but I would like to um, share something very um, personal um, in regards to sharing uh, the gospel. So um, me and Brother John meet um, on Wednesday morning. We're the Bacon Brothers. We have bacon at Midway um, quite often. And by the way, one time, Miss Wilson, I went with Sam, and he got pancakes and toast. And the lady said, are you sure you're supposed to have this? And he said, yes, because my wife isn't here. And I'm telling on him. All right. And so, <laughs> and so Midway is where a lot of good conversations um, happen. And um, we talk about the gospel or, and its implications upon our lives and, and different things. And I, I feel very comfortable speaking to him about the Bible and the gospel I feel in uh, talking in those terms. Um, but last week, I had Ben Cherry here uh, sitting with me. And uh, when I did, I had intention to, um, to take the, um, the New Testament that I have here that was marked and give a simple, clear gospel presentation. That's what I had and that's what I stated that I was going to do. That's what I put down on my notes that I was going to do. But in sitting here in a room full of other believers in this, con- in this setting... I just felt like I, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't speaking in terms that if Ben did not already know what I was talking about, he would understand what I was saying. And it's a real challenge to get there. It's a challenge to get to that place. It takes doing it often. It takes prayer. And it takes intentionality to get to a place where you can share the gospel um, in an understanding that other, uh, in a way that people who don't already know the gospel uh, would understand. I'm thankful the night that it was scheduled that Katie would give um, our missions update um, when we would get back to this because um, I think I speak pigeon actually. When I heard you reading pigeon, I'm like, I think I can speak that. I think I already speak that, all right? If, um, see, there's like enough words in there that like you knew what she was saying, but not completely. But um, the, all that effort that she would put forth um, to get to a place in a language and in a mindset where she would speak about uh, the gospel so that they would understand. That's a conversation that missionaries have um, all the time about sharing the gospel. And it's one that I think of in regards to um, our missionaries, but it's not one that we as a church in America, I think, have often enough. It's not one that I have often enough. It's like, how do we communicate in a way that is true to God's word, but it's in a way that is being um, understood? And so, as I said last week, I, I really struggled, and I walked away saying, I want to become more intentional. So in missions, there's a, a slide, those in the back, uh, answer, um, in missions, um, this is called contextualization. Contextualization. And if you've heard it, Maybe you heard good teaching on it, or maybe you heard uh, wrong teaching on it. Oftentimes, it's something that is used to um, allow for uh, people to um, um, bring in things into a church or into a ministry that is more um, adaptive to the culture than it is true to the gospel. I'm going to give you a big definition first. So, uh, this church allows me to take, uh, take classes at uh, Trip McConnell on Monday night, and I'm studying... Um, how 
Um, so I'm, I'm taking a missions class right now, and I'm really loving it. And I'm um, speaking about cross-cultural uh, leadership. And this week, this came up. So if you can bring this slide for this says TMU um, on it, and it's a big definition, but I'm going to focus on the last one. It's just this, um, this, this statement right here. It says, therefore, engaging any culture, even our own, we should structure our analysis to ensure that Scripture critiques culture and never that culture critiques scripture. And I love that. And I wrote the dean afterwards and I said, if there's any class on a college where the teacher might get away from just being a Bible teacher and be a servant to the culture, it would be in a class like this. And I'm so grateful that this teacher said, first and foremost, we must be people of scripture. And that must be said, and that's um, something that has to be said when you bring up a word like contextualization, which simply means is the process of considering something in its context. All right? And so it's, it, that's how it happens. Andrew, would you come here? Uh, after, if I saw, Andrew, good to see you, man. Good to see you. I love you so much, Andrew, right? This is my friend, um, Andrew. If I saw him um, at the baseball field, you could be seated. Or if I saw Andrew, I would, uh, I would greet him a certain uh, way here. And then Catherine said, please don't come to me. I ain't going to you, Catherine. I'm going to go to a designated Sam Wilson. Would you stand up? Good to, good to see you, Brother Sam. How's the weather? It's great. It's great, isn't it? It is great. All right. Thank you, Brother Sam. And so that even if I had the same message to deliver to my friend Andrew on the baseball field, and I have the same thing that I want to ask my friend Sam Wilson in the church, um, there's a different way in which I might communicate it, but the message must remain the same. The message is Jesus and the contextualization or how I talk would be the means of delivering that message, but it can't change, right? Everybody on board here with me? All right, I hope I didn't throw you off with the slide. Or just uh, maybe you can't say I'm on board with you because I don't know what you're going to say yet. But you're on board with the fact that you know that we're not talking about changing a message. We're talking about working harder or being more intentional so that we can help people understand the gospel when we share it. It's called... um, in the Bible, we have all kinds of different themes that you could talk to somebody um, about when it comes to the, the gospel. Some call this an atonement grammar, meaning like there's a language of a battlefield. Christ fought against the power of sin and death. He defeated the power of evil for us. Or the language of the marketplace. Christ paid the ransom price, the purchase price, to buy us out of our indebtedness, that free us from enslavement. Or the language of an exile. Christ was exiled and cast out of the community so we who deserve to be banished could be brought in. He brings us home. Or the language of the temple. Christ is the sacrifice that purifies us and makes us acceptable to draw near. Or the language of a law court. He stands before the, Christ stands before the judge, takes our punishment that we deserve. He removes our guilt and makes us righteous. You know those different stories. You know those different themes. And in the Bible, when it addresses different people, um, it will do that accordingly. My wife and I met a family the other day, and they came here. They, um, I imagine they were on some kind of political um, asylum. Is that how you say that word, right? Is that the right word, political asylum, when they have to leave a country for, for political reasons? I want to talk to them about the gospel. They do not attend church with us every Sunday. They don't come from, from the same tradition that we do. When I'm going to talk to them about the gospel, I should take into consideration what they currently know or what aspects of the Bible that might lead to a conversation that would um, make sense to them or that would interest them um, so that I could um, 
could um, start that um, Bible study uh, with them. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, I'll just read this verse uh, to you. I know our time is, is short. But I, as you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, I want to take you back to what I said earlier about last week. I'm sitting here with Ben Cherry, and I want to give him a simple gospel presentation, which means that I can't speak in terms that he would have to already understand the gospel for him to understand what I was saying, which means that I have to make sure that if I'm going to talk about sin, that I describe what sin is, that I show him what sin is in the Bible, that I show him what the consequences of sin are, and um, all those different things. And it requires slowing down. It requires asking questions. It requires listening, which were three things that I didn't couldn't have allowed, didn't allow for last week in my analogy with Ben is how I'm going to talk, how am I going to talk to a person uh, that I've never listened to and that I've never I don't know where he's coming from and I don't know what he knows about the gospel and what he doesn't know about uh, the gospel. First um, Corinthians chapter number nine and verse twelve says this, and I won't give. I have. Four points. I'll, I'll speak more about the first one and just read to you the other four. First Corinthians nine twelve. If others be partakers of this power over you, and not we rather, nevertheless we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. First thing that I see here, when the Apostle Paul is teaching on the topic in which I am speaking about right now to you, is this is that Paul would give up his valid rights to share the gospel. Paul was willing to endure any inconvenience or personal hardship that might enable the gospel to spread more effectively, including choosing not to make use of some of his legitimate rights. He had a right to things that he said that he was not going to take for the sake of the gospel. You know, I struggle with this as an American. I was taught all the way through the public school system that we are the best nation in the world and that we have rights and we should demand our rights. And if anybody wants to take them from them, we should fight them to the death. All right? Anybody else taught this? All right? And, um, and so um, I understand that, um, where, where they were coming from. But as a believer, I am told that I can have rights that I can set aside for something else, for somebody else. And that's the place in which we would see a missionary you don't have to take your shoes off when you're in, into a house. You don't have to leave a. You don't have to stay around late into the night after you've had a meal with somebody. Um, um, you can get right to the point um, in a conversation. You can expect people to be punctual and uh, not um, understanding. You can come into a room and and not greet everyone that is in there. And at the same time, you don't have a biblical command to do any of those things, which means you can choose not to do them for the sake of the gospel. And, um, and so, first of all, Paul gave up valid rights. And another time we'll look at how he became a servant for others for the sake of the gospel, how he was intentional about identifying with the people that he was trying to reach, and how he was joy joyfully bound to the scriptures. But tonight, I just want to leave you with this thought and consideration we saw a young lady who moved to the other side of the world, who ate different foods, who put herself through uh, different circumstances for the sake of getting the gospel uh, to some kids um, in a village. She learned a language. She studied people. She listened. 
And that's still happening today. We have, even in Nigeria, Graham and Olivia are continuing there, even in South Africa and other parts of the world. And every one of us in here say, I love that. But we also have where I don't have to get, I don't have to do that. I can continue just speaking to other Christians about the gospel. But I left last Sunday night thinking, I want with everything in me to work at learning to share the gospel with other people who do not know it in a way that they hear God's word when it's spoken. And that's what I want to ask that we pray for the night, men, as we come forward, is that we would take on that, we would realize that we have, we can set, just like our missionary friends, we can set aside our rights as well for the sake of the gospel. We can give of our time uh, to share the gospel. We can be listening to people. We can um, help uh, speak in a way in which they um, understand uh, the gospel and not just speak as I so often do um, at a level that would require somebody uh, to know, um, know large portions of the Bible to understand uh, what I am saying. And so I'll leave you this verse. If others be partakers of this power over you and not we rather, nevertheless, have we not used this power but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. What is it in our lives that we might be holding on to that hinders the gospel of Christ? And would we be willing to say, I will be a servant to all so that they can hear the gospel?